Are you confused? Not sure where to turn for help or advice in regards to gender transition? Have you started your transition and need help moving forward? Nikki Marie Dawn is a highly trained clinical and gender therapist, master life coach, and mentor supporting individuals, couples, and families dealing with the challenges of being transgender. She will customize a plan to fit your personal needs, helping you in all facets of your transition. Visit her site at transgenderlifecoaching.com for more information. Hi. This is Nikki Marie, and I want to welcome you to our Leap Day edition of Trans Talk Daily. Today, we're going to be talking about puberty blockers and handling transphobes and how you can protect yourself, uh, making the right choices and decisions when you integrate into life. So I want to get started right away by saying that uh, we'll be doing another episode this evening. Terry Ellen will be with me, and we will be discussing dysphoria. That'll be uh, part four in a four-part series, and we may even do another one, depending, but we'll be doing this one, and we'll be trying to give as many tips and tricks as what we feel could potentially help you handling dysphoria with and during your transition and once you finish transition. So should be interesting day today with uh, the two podcasts being released. So I'm going to get right into the uh, study that happened and uh, that actually revealed the puberty blocking medication can be life-saving for transgender teenagers. The study published last week in the Medical Journal of Pediatrics is the first of its kind. It examined the link between suicide rates and puberty blockers and to the surprise of no one who actually has ever spoken to a trans person or a teen, it found that transgender teens are less likely to attempt suicide if they have access to the correct medications. The report suggested that the access to puberty blockers for trans teens who are asking for them reduces their likelihood of having suicidal thoughts in both the short and the long term by up to almost 15%. What are puberty blockers? Well, puberty blockers are a type of medication that can be given to children who are questioning or exploring their gender identity. They slow the process of puberty and the emergence of features like facial hair, deep voices, Adam's apples, breast development, and menstruation. Puberty blockers are important because the effects of puberty can be harder to reverse once it's started which can make it more difficult for trans people to physically transition in the future. It's not just trans teens who take them, though. They are also sometimes given to some young people who aren't questioning their gender identity, but who started puberty earlier than average. There has been a lot of misinformation spread about puberty blockers. Puberty blockers allow a young person who might be questioning their gender identity to have a little more time before puberty changes their body in a way that they might not want it to. Puberty blockers are are not permanent, but put off puberty and aren't taken long term. It's encouraging to read this report. I've seen firsthand that so-called blockers can hugely help younger younger trans patients and their mental health. An awful lot of misinformation has been shared in the press, but this medication is nothing new and has 
positive outcomes as we can see from the report itself. Opponents of puberty blockers often argue that pre-puberty is too early for children to do and be making these types of gender identity decisions. But in reality, the drugs are more like puberty pausers than blockers. They buy some time by postponing puberty rather than blocking it altogether. I know firsthand unwanted puberty increases levels of anxiety and depression in our transgender youth. Without adequate support, you young trans people are extremely vulnerable. Blockers are only given out to pubescent people who require them to improve their health, well-being, and in some cases to save their lives. The use of blockers is supported by quite a few countries' healthcare systems, as well as the World Professional Health Association of Transgender Health, because they help vulnerable young people to avoid considerable distress and discomfort. Hormone blockers give these young people time to reflect, think and work out who they are. Some will come off blockers and go on to experience life as they would otherwise have done, and others continue on to cross-sex hormone treatment. Both journeys are valid. The study shows that the crucial and positive role puberty blockers can play in supporting a trans youth person's mental health is imperative. We know there's been lots of misinformation about trans young people in recent years, and this study is an important contribution to addressing that. It's vital we highlight the facts about the reality of life for trans youth and the support available to them so that we can ensure that all trans young people can grow up safe, supported, and free to be themselves. So why has this issue become so contentious? UK media coverage of puberty blockers has focused on a potential legal case that may challenge whether the NHS should continue prescribing them to under 16-year-old people, or whether each young trans person who requests them should be required to go before a judge before they can be described. That's absolutely ludicrous. Can you imagine having to go in front of a judge to find out if you can get something that just pauses puberty? It's absolutely ridiculous. But the case in question doesn't actually exist yet. This has been reported twice now in mainstream media as a legal case being heard in the high court or having reached the high court, when in actuality, all that's happened is an application that has been filed for a judicial review. The court still has to decide whether the case is worth even hearing, and if it does decide to, it'll likely be months before it makes it in, make it in front of a judge. This case has stirred up a lot of anti-trans sentiment and debate about whether it is morally right to give trans children the health care they need. As a trans person, I believe that that coverage feels completely overblown. I can't believe that they push this kind of crap down our throats, especially the poor trans children that have to suffer through this kind of nonsense. We know puberty blockers are a safe and reversible treatment that essentially pause puberty so that young trans folk don't have to make bigger decisions about transition-related stuff until they're older and ready. They've been used for decades. 
decades blockers. I mean, we have to look at it that if they've been around for decades, why aren't we being told this in the media? But if you only read the mainstream media, you probably don't know that because it doesn't fit their anti-trans narrative. If the landmark study had revealed that puberty blockers were a risk to children, the coverage would have been very different. To counter this, they believe that more diversity in journalism is essential, and I agree completely with the report. As a transgender woman, one of the most infuriating things is how almost all of the coverage of trans issues is written by cis, straight journalists. We need more trans journalists in the newsrooms and in senior positions in order to be able to make accurate reports and not misleading the general population into believing that we're harming children. In a time of misinformation where feelings often trump facts, the science couldn't be more clear. Puberty blockers can be a valuable lifeline for vulnerable people. I'm sure we'll be talking about this further as more and more laws are trying to be passed by states like Alabama and Colorado in the U.S. and in the U.K., I'm very happy to report Canada is completely on board with helping transgender kids in all aspects of hormone therapy and the use of blockers to pause puberty, creating a safe environment and allowing them to decide what is right for themselves. That finishes our segment on blockers and feel there are some real positives we can take from the research and we know many more factual reports will be released in the near future. Now, the next thing I want to talk about are the problems with transphobia, and I wanted to put something together that helps deal with the bullshit and helps lessen the stress by making correct decisions and choices living life as a transgender person. I want to start off with self-affirming coping. So what is this? It's the building up and being nice to ourselves so we can improve our self-esteem by focusing on our strengths and what we are good at. How can it help? It improves self-confidence and self-perception, enables you to have a self-image that is more resilient and less affected by transphobia. Think about what you are good at to make you feel better about yourself. It is good when thinking about and complimenting yourself to be positive and realistic. For example, I'm a caring person instead of I am the most caring person in the world. It can be hard to do this at first, but it can simply be something small. Think about what people give you compliments on. What part of who you are puts a smile on your face? What skills do you have? even if it is just a particular aspect of the skill that you like. If you're finding it hard, take a few deep breaths. As you inhale, ten tense your shoulders and then relax them when you breathe out. So it is in time with your slow breaths. Release some of that tension and anxiety. Remember that nothing is insignificant that you are important and special no matter who you are. It can also be helped to prepare some compliments to yourself when you are in a good move for later use. When you have been repetitively fed 
negative messages about who you are, it can take a while for compliments to feel real. Find the grains of light and help them grow by spending time with people that treat you well. Develop a skill and look at the small improvements. When you have a negative thought, question it. Where is it coming from? Is it truly reflective of reality? Thought you could replace it with that better reflects reality and is less harsh. Like, I'm improving, just need a little practice. Or, if I get help on this bit, it will improve. Or, I'm getting closer to my goal. Have patience and be kind to yourself. The other thing now is flip it thinking. So what is this? Flippant thinking involves understanding the situation and to be able to reframe it to make yourself feel better about it. It is not about ignoring the hurt, but about going beyond the surface reaction and developing a deeper understanding. How can it help? You can gain perspective that may depersonalize the transphobia by giving insight into the complexities of transphobia. It may make you aware of the influencing factors in producing transphobia, like cis-normativity, religion, the medical institution, school uniforms policies, and plenty more. What's involved? Ask yourself, like, is it the first time the person has encountered a transgender person? Or what are the cultural influences that this person experiences that shapes their transphobic beliefs? This is the way you can make it less about you and more about them to enable you to separate yourself from the transphobic comments or actions and to think about yourself in a positive self-regard. People's beliefs are a result of the culture they are situated in. Transphobic beliefs can come from a place of ignorance, grief, institutional enforcement, or concern that one will be harmed by society if they do not conform. The ignorance can come from having never been exposed to or never having to think about how their gender fits within society. When people are not exposed to transgender people, they can get their information from society's institutions, which can, which can in some instances enforce transphobia by reinforcing the binary and rigid gender roles. It can be believed by people that it's easier and safer to fit into the gender binary and rigid gender roles. Otherwise, a transgender person is at risk of so many harsh realities, which fuels the transphobic concern. Grief comes from the gender expectation and dreams that they had for you. Learn about where their perspectives are coming from. Meet them on their level while depersonalizing it. Make it about them. You are not the one that needs to change. Your identity is valid and should be respected at all costs. So controlling your emotions. What is this? It's not about being emotionless. It means being able to cope with the ups and downs of your emotions by looking after your well-being. This model is about looking after your physical health, mental health, 
social health, and spiritual health to improve well-being. It's also classified as emotional intelligence. How can it help? It improves emotional regulation by working on multiple aspects of your health and well-being, creating better emotional stability and stronger resilience. What's involved? Emotional stability can be gained through improving well-being. You can look after your physical health by exercising and using breathing relaxation techniques. The breathing relaxation techniques soothe the body's stress and anxiety response, in turn calming the mind. Soothe the body, soothe the mind. Exercise can be crucial in maintaining mental health. It releases endorphins, which are brain chemicals that can make you feel better. Doing some exercise can't distract you from what's going on, but give you time to grieve and time to calm down and think. To help your social social health, be around people that lift you up and listen to what you have to say in a respectful manner. Having someone who listens to you when you share your feelings of sadness can help you get perspectives on the issue. They can also be there when you want to talk about the positive things like your hopes and dreams, achievements, coping strategies, and supporters. Even listening to people can sometimes help. It is nice to know that you are not alone in your struggles. Directly, to directly impact your mental health, find ways that help you constructively process the emotions you're feeling, like writing, talking to a supportive and understanding friend, or drawing. These can center you within your world and make you feel like you belong and have purpose. Also consider ways to strengthen your spiritual health. A way to strengthen your spirituality is to do activities that reinforce your values and reflect on why it's important to you. Your mental and emotional health weaves into other aspects of your health. Improving one aspect will have influence over others, but sometimes certain aspects need special attention. So building and assessing social support. What is this? It's about finding, accepting people and spaces for transgender people that try to understand our experience, where they also stand by your side to challenge transphobia head on. The things I look for in an accepting space is that they acknowledge my identity and respect it, listen to my experiences, are empathetic, affirming my human rights and try to understand me. How can it help? It strengthens your support system to enable you to access more resources and become less isolated. Through building more meaningful relationships that are willing to help you out when struggling and, in some instances, you help them in return. What's involved? This is done by strengthening social supports that nourish you and make you stronger. Think about what you need to feel safe and secure because it can vary from person to person. What makes you feel you can relax around people? What makes you feel accepted, understood, and respected? What do you value in social space? What are your social needs? Social needs can vary. In some instances, you need one-on-one support. Other times, you need to work towards tackling the transphobic issues either through activism or creating a sense of community. 
Some places that you can get social support include Facebook groups, peer support, family, spiritual affirmation, advocacy, and activism. Some people find it hard to get support from certain areas to deal with transphobia. However, these social spaces can sometimes contribute to transphobic discourse and can be transphobic in themselves. It's important to gather strength and support from other spaces and people to eventually deal with difficult spaces. Prepared. What is this? Preparing a response and actions to deal with or counter transphobia can reduce anxiety around facing transphobia. How can it help? It gives you a plan of action when faced with transphobia that reduces anxiety, making socializing and going out of the house less scary. What's involved? A response could be avoiding transphobia through selecting spaces that are trans-accepting and compassionate. You do not have to disclose your identity if you do not feel comfortable, but some situations that is hard to avoid. In a situation that you cannot avoid it, you can have someone talk on your behalf or plan ideas of what you are going to say. When you get uncomfortable in a situation, it can be helpful to have a phrase or signal to get out of that situation or signals for a supportive person to come rescue you. Try to keep it simple and subtle. Have a backup phrase that keeps you out of that situation. You could say something like, I need to check on my friend. I think I just saw someone I need to talk to. Or, I think someone needs my help. To confront rather than avoid transphobia, you can prepare responses to transphobic phrases or questions. It can help to use your sense of humor. Confronting transphobia can be taxing, so it is important to prepare a self-care plan. This includes things like what makes you feel better, things that help you deal with gender dysphoria, a list of supportive people, or music that makes you feel better. Think about what makes you feel better, what do you enjoy, who is supportive and understands you. Taking a break, what is this? Have a moment to look after yourself and try to let the transphobia escape your mind. You do not have to be a social justice warrior all the time. How can it help? It can be helpful to take a moment for yourself to disappear into a space that soothes you and recharges you for the next battle. It is important to think about activities that help you forget about the world around you and make you feel better. What's involved? You could use creative outlets like art, photography, dancing or writing. It could be an exercise such as exploring nature by gardening or going for a walk. You could watch a funny movie with friends, try a variety of activities until you find activities that work for you. The important part is that it gets you thinking in the moment and disengages with the transphobic thoughts, feelings, ideals, people, and actions. Doing the activities that I have mentioned in a mindful or meditative manner can help achieve a headspace where in the moment thinking and disengagement from transphobia occurs. Mindfulness is a type of meditation where you focus on the sensation of experience and let your thoughts pass by. When doing an activity, focus on what it invokes in your senses, your touch, taste, smell, hearing, and sight. 
If you get a thought that is taking you out of the moment, that's okay. Let it float past and fade away. It helps to imagine the thought as a cloud or leaf floating across the sky or down a river until it is out of your mind and bringing your thoughts back to your sensations. Powerment. What is this? Doing activities that allow you to address the issues that you face in personal and societal ways. Actions that promote and push for change in culture that supports transphobic attitudes, policies, and actions. How can it help? Gives you the agency over transphobia and makes you feel like something is being done about transphobia. Gives you hope that the situation will change. What's involved? These activities could include being an advocate for trans people, supporting other trans people, participating in and helping organizing pride events, performing a political stage, performance like comedy or poetry, documenting and sharing your experience, voting for people who support trans rights, or becoming a leader and decision maker. Focus on the issues that matter to you and that you are passionate about. Give a voice and a space for the injustices you want to be heard. Create a world you want to live in. It does not have to be a big gesture. Small ones can make a change. You can work with other transgender people and allies to make a bigger impact. Working with them can also include supporting, checking on, and cheering them on. Another good way to be empowered is to do something meaningful that you enjoy. This could be volunteering for a cause you care about, such as producing a meaningful piece of media. Meaningful media is a piece of media that has some form of importance that goes beyond its physical value. Doing meaningful activities can give you a purpose and it gives you the feeling that you matter because you can help someone. Giving to people can make you feel better about yourself because it reminds you that you matter to someone. Remember you are stronger than you think and never alone. Being an activist is hard but worthwhile in the end. You need to look after yourself, most importantly. This includes during the times you are politically active. It is also okay to take a break from being politically active if you need it. Alternatively, you could cut back and prioritize the issues you do want to change. Lastly, getting spirited. What is this? Getting spirited involves connecting with, learning about, and discovering what your beliefs and values are, eventually working out what matters to you. How can it help? This coping strategy enables you to get a better sense of what matters to you and what you are willing to stick up for. It gives you a sense of why what matters to you is important so you can better defend it. Develops definition of your values to give you a code to live by rather than adopting other people's values that do not sit well with you. What's involved? It's not okay that in some instances religion is used to hurt trans people, but that is not reflective of all religious spaces. Being transgender is not uh, contradictory to religion or spirituality. One can be trans and religious or spiritual. They are not exclusionary or over one or the other. Religion is more than just rejection received at the hands of some. It's about finding a community that you fit into accepts you and allows you to explore your spirituality. If a religious space makes you uncomfortable, you do not have to stay. Find a spiritual space that nourishes you, accepts you, produces meaning, connects you to people, allows space for contemplation, meditation, and meaningfulness, and goes beyond the mundane. 
a space that allows you to explore questions like how should animals and humans be treated? What is the purpose of your existence? What are the values you hold dear? Do the activities get you engaged in your values, like enabling people to get their human rights met? This includes having food to eat, shelter, freedom from discrimination. Other ways to explore your values are to read philosophy, spiritual and religious texts to find what resonates with you, or have discussions with people about your values. Consider who you look up to for spiritual guidance. Ask questions of them and get them to explain their reasoning. If they are unable to respond, hold questions about what they are saying in your mind and try and find an answer in media about them. Consider why they hold the belief and values that they do. Does it resonate with you? Be reflective of how others' beliefs and values trigger thoughts of your own beliefs and values. Now, I'm not saying that you should be a religious individual. I'm not. I'm more of a universal individual. I just believe in something is out there. We're an energy source, and that's my particular belief. But there are lots of people that are religious. I brought up that section purely because I think there are a lot of religious people that are transgender, and it's very important that they find spirituality where they need to. So that ends this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've tried to cover a bunch of information. I hope you like our positive story up at the beginning in regards to blockers. So I want to let you know that, yeah, we should be starting to tape our next episode, Terry and I, uh, probably in about half an hour or so. Please enjoy this episode. Stay tuned for another Trans Talk Raw Daily. Have a good one, everyone, and happy Leap Day. Thanks for listening to Trans Talk Raw Daily. This episode has been brought to you by TransgenderLifeCoaching.com. Please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Time for this girl to split. Join me again for our next episode of Trans Talk Raw Daily. Daily.